Hello? You know you want to for this. Bitch, what? Let me tell you what happened. All these niggas in my DM, they be capping. I'm laughing, but I'm sick of this shit. Yeah. Let's start a podcast to talk about it. Let's give them something they can relate to yep. Made for the ladies but niggas can listen to Talk about experience, give advice Don't, Don't forget, forget to follow us and subscribe Alright, alright, alright What's up, what's up, it's your girl D, And this is my special guest co-host Christy And this is the podcast, bitch, let me tell you what happened We are talking about a very sensitive topic tonight Which is about the miseducation of the black church And we're going to go into detail about um, what we're talking about But first we need everybody to go ahead and share and like the video tag a few friends uh well we're on um youtube so you can share the youtube link to facebook and tag some of your friends um so that we can get more people in to engage into the conversation we do have um additional guest panelists that i'm about to bring on in just a second but make sure that you go ahead and if you're not subscribed to our youtube channel go ahead and subscribe to that now as well as you can share the link to your Instagram, Facebook, through um, um, your message. Yeah, I finna say messenger. <laughs> but through text message as well. So we're going to bring on our special guest tonight. We First, we have Mr. Michael Alexander. And um, we're going to let him uh, introduce himself properly. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, hey, how are you? I'm, I'm well. How are you? Um, any better, I'd be fishing. Well, say that again. I said, any better, I'd be fishing. Aren't you from the South? Aren't you supposed to know that? Well, I live in a metro city, so maybe this something we don't. You heard that, Chris? Okay, no. All right, so then I ain't. It might be like a Mississippi or Alabama thing. I don't know. No shade to y'all, but. I, I borrowed it from somebody in the South. Never mind. <laughs> it's <No>. all right. <laughs> uh, hey, well, what's going on? Well, um, go ahead and tell the people like uh, how they can follow you and find you, what you have going on, if you have a podcast or any endeavors that you have going. Uh, you can catch me uh, on any clubhouse hallway, um, Michael Alexander Brown. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at dear underscore future underscore millionaires. Uh, that's my brand, dear future millionaires, um, out to show black folks how to make money using life insurance. Uh. See, I need, see, that's one thing that a lot of black people don't have is life insurance. And so my father recently passed in October, well, I guess it's still recent in October, but he did have a life insurance policy. And that, you know, really helped all of us, like emotionally and mentally, because we didn't have to worry about 
how we were gonna pay for his services and his grave and you know my mom still be taken care of after the fact she don't have to worry about going back to work or anything like this so i i highly encourage you to get a life insurance policy even if it's just to bury you know yourself because you don't want that burden to be left on your family um, once you're no longer here. And unfortunately, that can happen at any time. You know, people are dying in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on. So I encourage you, hit up Michael about getting a life insurance policy. So Sweet. my next, you got something that you want to say, Mike? Oh, yeah. I just want to say for the content, the context of this conversation, I'm mm -hmm. also a minister. So when I say some off the wall stuff, Believe me when I say it's all Bible-based. Oh, I, I think you were walking Bible. Because um, <laughs> the way you break down like the, the Bible and the scriptures and stuff like that, that's why I wanted you on this show because you're very um, um, diverse in, in scripture and very knowledgeable. So even though I'm I'm a preacher's kid and I went to Bible school, not Bible school, but I went to a Christian private school, there are some things that I, I forget. I ain't going to lie. But my next guest for tonight he's no stranger to the show uh, he's also one of my uh clubhouse buddies also was on the show with me with uh, anthony o'neill for the singles mansion we and he's he tend to kind of stir up the pot a little bit which i like you know the foolery so we have mr dwayne williams jr what's up dwayne <laughs> what's up what's up everybody i, I kind of figured you was gonna say i uh stir up the pot and uh i'm grateful okay. to be that <laughs> it's, it's okay i mean here. people need excitement in their lives so it's okay to be the one to stir up the pot plus you're a capricorn and capricorns tend to be a little bit more <laughs> you know like the life of the party and center of attention so you can't help it no way well i mean well some of it is stirring up the pot with the level of truth behind it you know what i mean see you got a couple of me hey listen right i was trying to figure out I was trying to, uh, oh, thank you, man. I was trying to figure out where I knew his voice from, and now I know, because uh, I haven't been on Clubhouse in a long time, mm -hmm. but I came on there a couple of times, and he, you got your own room, and you be doing different stuff, uh, Michael, right? Yeah, it depends on how yeah. toxic I feel that day, but, uh, <laughs> so, you know, we we go from hood, to, we go to hood from holy in the same conversation. So. Right, but, that, yeah. but you know what? I like that because that means it's authentic and you're not trying to create this persona of like you're just perfect and flawless and you 100 all the time. And that's why I wanted to talk about this, because even though the podcast is officially particular what happened, you know, we like to discuss things beyond just relationships relationships and bashing men and talking about problems we want to help educate people as well and this is a very sensitive topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about i ain't got no problem talking about it because i have been uh delivered from the bondage of worrying about other people and what they think about me all right so you're gonna get a little sanctification and a little cussing tonight I'm gonna make sure we stay in the sanctification lane. Lord, help right, me. Right, you know, stay <laughs> there. Yeah. You're in the Bible belt. Let me just preface this is cherry coke. There's nothing in here. There's they no don't matter. We, it we is cherry coke. <laughs> You're in the Bible belt. I just want to make sure. A little little cherry coke with a little jack. I don't know how they would taste, but. No, I, I no, just want them to know I'm drinking communion juice, like official communion juice. It's uh, cranberry it, grape. It, <laughs> it's cranberry grape. 
Hey, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like when I was a kid, my mama used to have um the grape juice, and that was like a luxury in our house. Grape juice. Well, not a luxury, but it was off limits. Grape because juice I'm, is the I'm best. I don't care. Nobody say grape juice is the best. Right, but we would be pretending like we just we take communion, mama. Hey, that's the first <laughs> that's miseducation of. That's the first miseducation of the black church. Jesus wasn't drinking grape juice at the Last Supper. Jesus was not drinking grape juice at the Last Supper. He was definitely drinking wine. All right, so we're going to start off with our icebreaker. Now, typically, we would do, like, the um, how was your week and so forth, but I want to go jump right into the, uh, the nitty-gritty. So our icebreaker question is, make sure I do this right. Y'all like the graphics? <laughs> you get doing the graphics. You get the graphics. Okay, graphics. Not that okay, she got the Catholics. The question is, what are some things you enjoy about church? Because I want to start off with some positives before we talk about the things that are not as positive. Because I don't want it to be like a bash session or we right, just, right, right. you know, y'all... Whatever, I'm be me shitting on the church, okay? So we do want to discuss things that we enjoy, even in our childhood, growing up, or even now, you know, when we still go and worship. Um, I would start first. I definitely enjoy the praise and worship, you know, the music part, because I am musically inclined and my family is. I have thoroughly enjoyed doing that, even like being on the praise team. Like, I would gig the night before and like drive back that Sunday morning to get up and sing, but I enjoyed that. That was a, a, a place of release and, you know, comfort for me. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I did enjoy working with the kids. Uh, and as I said, I'm a preacher's kid, so I basically worked in every area of the church. So i um, working with the kids with um, the children's church and liturgical dancing, that too, I liturgical dance. So that would be my three things off the top of my head that I really enjoy about church. That may seem a little superficial, but hey, that's me. So Michael, um, what are some things that you enjoy about church? You know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, it depends on the church that I'm at. Uh, and, okay. and what I mean by that is I, mm -hmm. I spent half my life Baptist. I spent the other half of my life Episcopalian. And I oh, identify as a Messianic Jew. And so uh, when I go to an Episcopalian service, uh, I really, really, really love high church. And what I mean mm -hmm. by that is I love the incense burning. I love the cross being marched in. Um, I love the uh, I love the cross being marched in. Uh, I love the the confession that you do before you actually uh, get into before you actually move into communion. Um, so it's very high church feel. I call it Catholic light if you guys have never been to, uh, to an Episcopalian church. And when I'm at the black church, I love the preacher. You can't go wrong with the preacher. I don't care <laughs> what denomination you are. If it's a black preacher, it's gonna be a good sermon. Um, and, and that's what I enjoy on either side of the fence. Very entertaining, you know. <laughs> and then you got the music going behind, get your little hyped up, oh, yeah. you know geek this so forth so i feel you it does depend on what church you go to because i was attending a multicultural church before the pandemic and i just love just like everything how they ran the service it was like so calm so collected it wasn't like hyped up with nobody up there begging for money or nothing 
I thoroughly enjoyed it and I was sick of that. So we're gonna go to Dwayne and then we're gonna go to Christy about um the things that you enjoy about church. Damn, I got the whole typo. I mean, I think it's a lot that I enjoy. Uh to to really be honest. Uh mm -hmm. man, I mean, it's a lot. I, I enjoy a lot. You know, I think that uh while we're gonna talk about some of the issues that, you know, might be an issue or problem for us tonight. I think mm -hmm. I enjoy a lot. I think I enjoy the camaraderie, right? Yeah. Uh, when we talk about the black church, I don't think there's nobody that danced like us. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, uh, we dance. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy that, especially when it's done out of the right content. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, man, it's a lot that I enjoy. I can sit here and list a thousand things, but I really love our music. Um, I love the way we dance. This this is one. I love the way we eat. After service. We we <laughs> I I'm not gonna lie though. You know, we cook some stuff. Now we kind of go out to different restaurants, but listen, I, I love the way we eat. You know, we eat. You know, we, see, we, see, we feed ourselves. See, Dwayne, you must go to a family oriented church because I don't eat everybody's cooking. Uh I like to go down in the fellowship hall and ask who cooked what. Just so I can watch everybody's oh, ego me, take I, over, I, I and I know same, what place I do the to stay same away thing. from. I do the same thing, but uh, you know. <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie. Like the church I went to here in Memphis, they have three, uh, three or four locations, and in the summertime, they have like a different food truck after service, and it's free. Mm. And then, like the last Sunday, they do like a um, a water party for the kids and have water slides and stuff like that like i love stuff like that this community involved because it does bring more people into the congregation i, I don't want to go too deep into that because i want to talk about it a little bit more a little bit later so christy what are some things you enjoy about uh attending church what you have yeah it's been a while but it's all right baby been, I ain't been in one of my it's been a while things. mighty god it's been a while <laughs> one of my favorite things uh, about church was youth day oh my god the preparation for Ooh. youth day and i was on the usher boy we used to go up there and do our little uh performance we had <laughs> wait just, the ushers did a performance yes girl yes, we, yes girl we did our our we put the ribbons the ushers was up there mining before mine baby, was we mined and we but look i just love how much went into youth day and i went to a church in the heart of south memphis and we were so heavily involved in our community. Mm -hmm. uh, we did so much with the community, and I loved that about church. I loved how much my home church gave, and uh, how much love they pressed out. I mean, pushed out into the community. All right, and so everybody has shared some of the things that we enjoy about church. I wanted to get that out the way. <laughs> Before we dive in, now we're not gonna dig in too deep. Well, I don't know how this conversation gonna go, but we just gonna let the Lord use us. And uh, I'm playing, y'all. Not a compliment sandwich. Because somebody already probably like this girl going ahead for just playing with God, and I'm not playing. I'm just you know being me. All right. So um, the first question that I thought of: Are there any belief? What the heck? I must have been high when I did this, but are there any belief practices that you question? Lord Jesus, I feel so slow. What was I trying to ask? So are there any belief practices? Let me take this off the screen because that... Uh, are there any belief practices that you have questioned the validity of? Like, why are we doing this? Like, 
does this even make sense? Like, um, like for me, when we, oh God, somebody brought up that, but when we take communion, I'd be like, okay, well, why are we eating somebody's body and drinking somebody's blood, but then we get mad at, like, other cultures for doing certain practices that we call demonic? Like, isn't that kind of similar, like, doing sacrificing and, and, and so forth? And I'm not saying that it's not valid. It's just that I've questioned and wondered why um, we do those things, you know? And I understand biblically the biblical principle about it, but the logical principle, I'm like, I don't understand why we drinking somebody's blood. And I mean, that's something that witches tend to do. So I've always wondered that. And, you know, yeah. So anybody yeah, I, else I have it, like something that you question, like, why are we doing this? I think it's, uh, you know, when you talk about that, I think it's about symbolic, not necessarily literally, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, because I am a Christian, mm -hmm. um, I understand the symbolic piece behind it. Not so like, cause I think symbolic and actually doing it are two different things, right? Mm -hmm. There are some cultures who, or some practices where they actually drink blood and it's not necessarily symbolic. It's more like an actual thing for them. So just to address that, I think it's, there's, there's a difference there for mm -hmm. me. Um, for me, I think some of the questions that I have uh, had had at one point in time about some of the things that we practice, I think we've changed now, right? Mm -hmm. And some of that was like, man, why are we um, asking women not to wear makeup, to wear pants, you know, stuff like that. And I must give the church a humongous applause because uh, that that was something of the old, right? Mm -hmm. But if we look at modern day uh, church now, uh, that's not a humongous issue amongst most right. churches. Because right? you had to wear a, a dress with a flip, <laughs> some stockings, uh, and you had to have a handkerchief, okay? Right. Right. And I I hated wearing them two piece suits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, clothes clothes was an issue for it. us. I always have been like, yeah, myself fashion wise. And when I tell you like y'all think I'm over the top with the way I dress now, I used to have red hair, blue, every color. It was shaved on the side. They really thought I was. They probably thought I was. Uh, Satan spawn or something the way I was dressing <laughs> because I, I I had like a little emo phase, you know, just yeah. black fingernails, black lipstick, and it was nothing like about you know me doing something like demonic or anything like that. I just like to dress that way or whatever, yeah. but I definitely got criticized. I had this lady, bruh, these never tell me what happened. I had this lady write me a letter. And was talking about like my hair and wearing wings and was quoting these scriptures and calling me a Jezebel. Now keep it, keep in mind at this time I was actually married with a with a child, had graduated college, I just been in pageants, I done did some of everything. And she's write this letter to me. Why the lady got me Wow. That, that's the stuff I'm talking it's about. So audacity for me. Mind your business. Exactly. So I, I do agree with you, Dwayne, about the growth that some of the churches have made and, and the effort to be a little bit more 
come as you are. And I don't mean like just show up with your club out front. Like, I wear this to church. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, this is gonna be funny. I, I wouldn't wear it to church because I know that that can be a temptation for somebody. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to intentionally uh, tempt them. But if I'm just wearing my own outfit and I got a shape or something, I can't control my shape or whatever. So I yeah, you know, it was it was it was funny just to piggyback. Uh, I watched a video by uh, Erica Campbell. And she was saying yeah, how she, I wore, wish I had that video. she she wore a white dress and it was all the way up to her neck and pretty lifty down to her knees and how people were calling her uh, a hoe and a harlot and stuff like that. And they said and she was it, in the Illuminati. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was just I thought it was just funny because oftentimes uh part part of our problem with reading the Bible, and this is on both sides. I think part of our problem with reading the Bible sometimes for individuals, we tend to take something that we love and make it applicable to our lifestyle. Now, I, I got to be honest, and then I'm going to shut up after this, is that one of the things that I've been careful of is not to change the Bible to fit my lifestyle or to fit what I do or to fit what I don't do or do do. What I've accepted is... <laughs> right, do that. Right. What I've accepted is, hey, this is what it says, but I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm actually saying this that I'm doing this now, but I'm just saying, and, and, and prior to this, I can say, hey, this is what it says, but I'm not quite living this yet, or I'm not living this yet. And Are you I working think, towards getting it? Yeah. And I think the honesty for us has to be that we can't just wake up and change what the Bible says because we feel like it doesn't fit who and what we are. I think we've got to just own like, hey, that's just not a part that I'm living. And maybe hopefully someday, you know, I get to that 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 part and, and, and change that part of me and become better. So I think we've done a great job as a church. I mean, as a church, I think we've done a great job as a people of moving away from critical clothing to understanding that clothing um, doesn't necessarily like it's not that big of a deal while yet still teaching people how to just have some level of respect exactly. uh yeah when they come into so we've done a great job with that you know? and, and, and so, see, so i just want to chime to god, in if it was left up to god we'd be in this whole naked okay so <laughs> i don't know about that but I, I, <laughs> you I, know what i'm saying it was up to god we missed him and he was like okay now you gotta put on some clothes i don't so. know about that but i got <laughs> Well, you know, I'm a. Well, I think it's. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's important when we talk about any passage of scripture. Uh, and my service, my signal was messing up, so uh, I think I missed a portion of it. But mm -hmm. when we talk about what's applicable today, we've got to understand scripture wasn't written to us; it was written for us. And so, a lot of the times when. And this is one of the reasons why um, I, I struggled with faith initially was understanding that some of the passages of scripture, the, the Bible was written, you know, 66 different stories. They were written 4,000 plus years ago in some cases. And so we're trying to take the lessons that applied 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago, and we're trying to apply them in a 2020, 2022 complex. It, it's not going to make sense to us. And so I think when we talk about sanctification and where to go or what it says about this we got to make sense that wait the, this was this this passage of scripture written 
fit into a very specific group of people at a very specific point in time with some very specific issues going on. And so where we can draw lessons out of it, I think we've got to be careful in saying, oh, well, this is what Paul said to the Corinthians. So this is what applies today. We ain't the Corinthians and the they Corinthians didn't have porn. Does that uh, still exist? The context is completely different. Uh, the church Does of Corinth. Corinth yeah, Corinthians. Exist? I was actually. Uh, yeah, I was actually in Greece uh, okay. in um, October, and uh, in October I was in Greece, and I got to visit Corinth, and I got to uh, I got to visit um, uh, Mars Hill, where uh, where the Apostle Paul preached his famous sermon. So it still exists. It's more rubble and more as a tourist destination now, but it's definitely still there. So nobody's actually like um, living in Corinth. It's just a tourist area. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so curious. The church, Corinth thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, your signal was still kind of messing up when you said that last thing. So can you repeat that one more time? Because I really want to hear it. I'm sorry, that again? I, I said, oh, I forget. I'm from the South. So I wanted to hear the last statement that you said because you kind of froze up. So the last thing that I made, people still live at the church, but if it was before the church, we've got to understand scripture is written for a specific group of people at a specific group uh, point in time going through some very specific issues. And scripture addresses those things. So scripture isn't written to us, it's written for us. Just because it's written for us, we've got to understand the original intent of the author as well as the original audience that it was written for. Okay. I, I like that. So, so Christy, what about, about you? Like, what were some practices <laughs> that you did or belief systems that you was like, why do we do that? Like, um, actually, I kind of... Speak it to the mic, oh, Carolyn. Step into the light, Carolyn. Yeah. <laughs> um... Actually, there, I don't think that there are any because um, whether I agree with them or not, I don't, I understand the significance of it to the people who are doing it. And I just respect that. So I don't really, I mean, the, I, I, I don't, I'm not here for the comparison, comparisons, mm-hmm. as you were saying about the, uh, you know, with the witchcraft and the 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 body and the the, the shedded blood and the you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with the way they compare spirituality and Christianity and things like that, or how they try to make spirituality so wicked. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that, but I do agree with their practices and what they do. Uh, right. So it's it's a respect thing, mm-hmm. like just like with the Muslim faith or Buddhism or any other faith, or even like within the Christianity dynamic, you know, there are several, (laughs) I know it's hundreds of of versions or um, faith-based beliefs um, through Christianity. I'm trying to get my words uh, together, but it's like, if we can respect, you know, Baptist, Episcopalian, Methodist, Catholic, you know, seven day of Venice and what have you within the Christian faith. Why is it so difficult for us to respect people of other belief systems? Christians are pushy. Yeah. They're pushy. 
and they like they want to beat God into your head so bad and, and and but not with love not with the way that God said do it it's so much um and I know it's just so much hypocrisy it's, 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 it's hypocrisy and the the desire of wanting to be better than somebody else because like when you have your quote unquote sins there or think, I don't want to just say sins, but things that you struggle with. Okay. The things that you struggle with, sometimes we will pinpoint somebody else's struggles and issues to make us feel better about our issues. But why, why, why feel the need to even highlight somebody else's struggle if you're not going to speak love, light and light into them as a Christian? You know what I'm saying? Why why not use the power of your tongue to uplift instead of uh, belittle? Or, uh, you know, it's just, it, it gets crazy with Christianity. If you're not for us, you against us. Right. You, instead of extending up olive branch, uh, an olive branch the way that, I don't know, it just has become crazy. Not all Christians, but it has become crazy. Especially the social media Christians. My God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> See, we can, we can really, like, go off in the deep end, but I kind of want to you know, yeah. get to get through the questions. And um, you really made a really great point about respecting other people's beliefs and not uh, diminishing or demeaning. Because if we were born in Africa, if we were you born- believe exactly what you were taught to believe. Exactly. So, and, and as you get older, you know, sometimes you do, you know- um, You research and you, you, you grow. Right, you you grow. Some some people may have never known God in that sense and have become Christians as they gotten older. So you just can't really, you know, shame anybody for their belief systems all because you were taught something different or you learned or well, decided to believe that. Exactly. So um this question. And this is specifically for the black church. And I'm not trying to diminish or demean the black church or make it seem like it's worse or anything like that. I'm only speaking because a large majority of our audience are, are, are black and I'm black, she black, you black, everybody black. But um, what are some things that the black church turn a blind eye to that needs to be addressed? Like what I'm trying to say is like, we will, pastors, preachers, motherboard, everybody in leadership will get up and say certain things to a certain group of people. But then when somebody else or somebody that they like or something man, like that, they ain't going to say anything. A man can get away with murder in the church, baby. But a woman, oh, baby, they're going to strip her for everything she stands for. It's just crazy. I, I do have to agree, especially in leadership. Yeah. You know, um, Women are not allowed, in some churches, women are not allowed to be preachers or unless they're married because they have to have a covering and so forth. And then, you know, it, it used to be where, like, if somebody got pregnant and they wasn't married, they would make the woman apologize for getting pregnant as though she got pregnant by herself like she was the Virgin Mary. So things like that. Or even like with the your favorite preacher or pastor or leader, you know, they do something. And even though we're supposed to walk in love with anybody that falls short or make a mistake, that same grace is not extended to like the congregation as it is to the pastor or to your favorite singer or musician or so forth like that. So I'm... I just wish we would do a better job about addressing it and sometimes addressing it publicly. Like people will... In certain church settings, they will literally point you out in service and tell you what's wrong with you. But if it's somebody that they like or if it's a 
a preacher or pastor, they want to have a, a secret meeting. Exactly. So, Michael, like, do you have anything that you want to add to this particular uh, question or topic? I know you do. Yeah, I think that I think that we start talking about what are some things the black church turned a blind eye to that need to be uh, addressed. Honestly speaking, income inequality. Right. Uh, I think when we I, I, I think the black church is predominantly known as somewhat of a prosperity gospel. But one of the things that we don't talk about is, you know, when, when you're bringing into the storehouse, when, when you're making sure there's meat for God's house, it's designed for those who uh, it, it's meant for those who are in a time of family life. And when we look at the inequality, uh, the wealth disparity, not just in our congregation, but in the communities around us. Right. I think we turned a blind eye to that because, unfortunately, church has become very much a form of marketing now. It's just Jesus is the thing that we're slinging. So we, we, we turned a blind eye to some of the economic disparities that are gone as a way to draw in more prominent um, people in the community that we choose to uh, when the very thing we're called to do is, you know, give, give food to the homeless, you know, give clothing where, where to the naked, visit, visit those in prison. Michael, where was Jesus, though, most of the time? Where was Jesus? Most of the time, where was he at? He 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 was, a, he, yeah, he was in out the in the streets with the uh, with the folk we we turn our eyes to. Exactly. And so I, I, no, go ahead. Oh, okay. I, I think there's a slight delay. It's giving newscast reports. There is. You know how they be late <laughs> to start talking. But I, I think it's very important to highlight that Jesus was not. He was hardly ever in the synagogue preaching. He was out meeting the needs of the people. And unfortunately, the black church have fallen back from that now. The pastors ain't even talking to the people. They hide, they, they, they hide after service with their 50 armor bearers. And that's not every pastor. You know, there are, I know a lot of pastors and ministers and prophets and stuff that love the people and they're in the middle of everything. Like my dad was one. Uh, I told him, I said, well, dad, you know, you did have a small church, but you was a preacher of the, for the community. Because when we had his service, his um, homegoing service, we did not know how many people that he touched and affected. And I was like, so that's what you was doing when you was going all day. You was visiting the people. He would go to people's funerals, is visit folks in the hospital, bring folks food, give the kids that's at school coats. Like, the work of God. Exactly. His actions and not just putting his mouth. <laughs> so, right, you know. So I, I think that so it's very important. Now, what were you saying, Michael? No, I, I was going to say I think it's funny because my grandparents, my grandmother, loves to tell the story that uh, she prayed one day and she said, "Jesus, just be with me. I preach to the blind. I preach to the poor. I preach to the sick." And now that's all that shows up to the church. And like, it's funny because that, so, so not every pastor is that way. Right. But I think it's the ones that make the most noise are though. And I think that's where it becomes the issue. It's the noisiest ones are only doing the preaching. It's like, what's really going on in the community. And that's not against anyone who has a large ministry. Um, mm -hmm. But we, we, you know, the local body was called to to serve that specific person. Unfortunately, you have a lot of churches who are trying to engulf the ecclesia, which is the whole body of Christ, 
and said, hey, bro, you're, you're the arms. Stay over here in the arms lane. They're, they're trying to make the full crawl. And hey, I think they're the loudest people in the room. <laughs> I, I do agree with focusing on your community versus trying to, like, do it all at once. I think that's why there were several different churches established to be able to meet the needs of that particular community. Because every community is different. You have some low-income Black communities and you have some higher-income communities. You have like so many uh, variables within that. So I think it's very important to focus on the people in the community because it's a shame that, you know, some churches, they have a, a nice size church and you in around the church, all the cars are parked in the driveway. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that means they're not their needs are not being met. They're not being ministered to. They're not being witnessed to because they're at the house. You know, and I'm not saying that right. um, them being at, at home is a lack of the. Let me make sure I say this right. You're not going to be able to win every soul over. But it's very telling when the whole community is at home and you're a church within their community, you know. And I, hopefully that makes sense because sometimes my thoughts tend to uh, run faster than how my, my mouth speaks. So hopefully uh, that provided some clarity. <laughs> so yeah, are there right. anything that you think the black church, I know you know or got some things that turn that where they turn a blind eye um, that you feel like needs to be addressed? I just what when you came on, I mean, when you asked it originally, I was saying, uh, you know, with just anything that a, a man does uh, in the church, they gonna, they stand behind the men, 10 toes down, and women need more support in church. I just, they just need more support in church. Exactly. The what I'm not Dwayne, but, um, Michael probably still having some some issues. We're going to continue the conversation. Dwayne had to step off because he had another obligation. So I do appreciate Dwayne coming on and adding, you know, what uh, he did add. It did add value to the conversation. But we're going to move on to the next question. Um, And I think I kind of want to spend a little time on this one because it's very important because our parents grandparents and parents before them, a lot of them did attend church, but now we see the millennials, which is our generation. You know, I didn't realize I was actually a a millennial. Uh, (laughs) I thought I had aged out, but I'm a millennial. If you was born in 1980 or 81 um, to like 95 or 96 or something like that, you're considered a millennial. So I have noticed with my own eyes, millennials have left the church like in droves. Like, and what, why do you think so many have left that they have? Well, for me and many people like me, because mm-hmm. none of us are still, you know, at the church we grew up in. Um, I was heavily involved in the church with my grandma. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about everything, Sunday school, um, uh, Bible study, meeting on the old campground, uh, revival, just anything you can imagine. We were there, the usher boy, the praise dance team, mine, the puppet ministry, quite just mm-hmm. drove us, you know, crazy. Uh, when I got older and I started to get into my spirituality and I got to uh, getting to the root of me and working through my, you know, my own things, I realized while in the church, and I realized a lot of my, you know, a lot of my my people, we realized. I watched my my we watched our 
parents heavily involved like that in the church all our lives growing up only to have the same heart, to have the same everything. So it's like, what's the point? Church is not the same. If you, I mean, if you if you go on every Sunday for years straight and you still got the same heart and you still the same woman, nothing. I don't want any parts of that. Mm. I'm after some freedom for real. Right. You know, I'm after something for real. I'm after a real relationship with God. You right. know, I, I don't want to do the religion. Play, I don't want to do religion. The, the I want the relationship. Right. I want a genuine relationship, and it ain't no Bible that you can put in front of me or anything that you can put in front of me that can compare to what God does in my in my life and in my heart and in my mind every day. I ain't sitting, you know, at the church, and a lot of millennials aren't because this generation, we, I mean, the millennials are real deal breaking down generational curses. We mm -hmm. after something bigger. Right. We're not doing what our, our parents were doing and what we were taught to do because obviously that's not working for right. y'all. And I mean, and that's, and let me add something to that. That's not to belittle anything that those before us have done because we do stand on y'all's shoulders. We're able to do what we do because you guys have sacrificed and, and have done certain things to help us get to the place that we are now. But what I think you were saying was that, you know, some of the things that you did traditionally and you just did out of habit you did because you were taught it, it wasn't working it's not conducive to right the, the so life, you know just so for me i i did leave the church not and i left because i am a pastor's child and for someone who has a child well for a child who has a parent in leadership especially the head honcho it is very difficult to to walk in those shoes a lot of times we get a bad rep oh y'all wild y'all crazy and it's not really that it's more so you you have been restricted so much and for me it wasn't that my parents didn't want me to do certain things it was because of their position they just you know I'm trying to say it a way where my I know I knew my parents loved me, they supported me, they they had my back, but it was almost kind of like you have to still hold the standard of of the faith and so forth. So I I struggled a lot with it behind closed doors, like because I I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter, I love all types of music, gospel, rock, pop, hip hop, uh, EDM, everything, and I've always been that way. So I would perform and dance and, and so forth, and I did like this rock song that I had written. This was my music. This wasn't anybody else's uh, music. And it was a video. I wasn't doing anything crazy or twerking or anything like that. You you won't find very many uh, videos of me twerking. But it circulated around the church. And people I found three. Say, say that again. I, I was teasing. I said I found three. Oh, you found three videos. <laughs> uh, but... Um, it got circulated within the church or whatever. And I just felt like so defeated and like I felt so bad because I was doing something that I love, but because I wasn't singing praise and worship or, or anything like that, I got shamed for it. Them not realizing when I would do my band gigs, as I said earlier, sometimes I wouldn't get home to six, seven o'clock in the morning, get right back up, get up to church to sing and lead praise and worship. Of course, a lot of that I did that, you know, in the support 
of my my parents and, and their church and because I was in that leadership role. But at the same time, you know, I did it because I wanted to do that. I enjoyed it that much, you know, and I wasn't doing it from a hypocritical standpoint where one moment, you know, I'm acting wild and crazy or something like that, that I'm trying to act out holy, you know. It wasn't coming from that place. It was coming from a genuine place. So that happened, and that was like in 2010, and that's when it kind of started, like, me slowly, like, drifting back. I started coming late, and then eventually, I just kind of stopped coming all together, and I just told my parents, I said, well, it's not you all, but I really just want y'all to be my parents at this point, because I feel like it's causing unnecessary conflict with me being in the church. I'm not leaving because of y'all. I'm leaving because of them. You know, and it, I felt vindicated because my mother got up and this is after, you know, my father passed. She got up and she, you know, talked about certain things because she has to uh, um, become the she's she was the associate pastor. And now she is, you know, the head pastor now. And she talked about certain things and I felt vindicated because she brought up that situation and she said how people talked about me and, and have ran off other members of the church and so forth. So I felt vindicated. I felt relieved, you know, because that was something that really affected my life for a long length of time. And I'm not trying to go on a soapbox, but I'm just sharing my experience because it's so many experiences. It's so many people that's going through the things that desire to have the relationship with God, but they don't want to deal with the people that represent God. And I'm not talking about the ones that's genuinely doing the work of the ministry. I'm talking about the ones that's pretending to in the front and then behind closed doors, they wreaking havoc and hell in other people's lives. So that, that was my... Um, I, I think <laughs> it's about that. I think so, uh, Michael. I, why do you think how many millennials are leaving church? So, so firstly, uh, contrary to what the data suggests, millennials aren't leave, leaving the church. Neither is Gen Z. 60, oh, sixty-five percent of millennials still identify with the black church. Sixty-seven percent of Gen Z are still identify with the black church. Yeah. I think with the facts. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so. So, so here's the thing is, I don't think it's a question of, I don't think it's a question of leaving the church. So to answer your question, why do I think so many millennials are leaving the church? I don't believe that they are. I think that they're learning the expression of church through that which they understand. Why are they leaving the four walls? Why are they leaving? Why are they leaving the Shiloh Baptist and the Mount Ebenezer Church on high of God? consecrated in the holy spirit tongues of fire missionary baptist church i think they're doing that because they're I, I did go to church it was, it was lane avenue full got got wait lane avenue full gospel baptist missionary church or something like that but yeah. the um pastor he changed it um to rural overcomers like in the thank late you. 90s early 2000 Let's thank him Let's church thank went him from for that being Baptist to um, non-denomination, mm -hmm. right? Because my so, dad used to be the minister of music there. So, so I think that I think that as we're looking for new expressions of church, right? New expressions of faith, really, new expressions of community, right? It's it's no longer you know when church begins to look like a concert series. Well, I can go to get a concert on Friday or Saturday, and if I'm being honest with you, I can drink while I'm at that concert. I don't need to come to church for this. <laughs> Um, well, you got some and, churches that do have real communion there. Hey, I ain't got nothing to do with that. I, you know, but I think that 
I think that where where it is, is it's yearning for closeness with God that can't be found, uh, that can't be found at the levels that are being offered. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, when I was a child, I spake like a child and I ate like a child and I acted like a child. But now that I'm a man, I put away childish things. Um, you can only you can only be treated like a child for so long within the faith before your faith grows up. And it's like, uh, no, I mean. I mean, if you guys have been around that relative or that aunt or that uncle that can't help the fact that, yo, I'm 30 something years old. Like, you're not going to talk to me in any old kind of way. I'm 30 years old. You're not going to treat me all in any old kind of way. I'm 30 years old. You're not going to do X, Y, Z. And it's like, oh, you just little six year old Deanna. Girl, you better go on someplace and respect your elders. And I, I mean, think, it don't help that I'm five feet tall. Oh, <laughs> you that short? Look- oh, yeah. Yeah, and I I look relatively young because I'm gonna be 37 in May, but you know, I could get my late 20s, and depending on what I got on, right. I might get younger than that. So I I definitely identify with what you're saying because we have to find our relationship with God, you right. know. And just like I have several friends, and my relationship with each friend is different. And I know what I can say to one that I can't say to another, or what what friend gonna do this, what friend is not gonna do that. I say that because my relationship with God may be different than what Chrissy's relationship with God, or what your relationship uh, with God, or the level. You know, some people might be at a, 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 a starting point, just now getting into the faith, just now learning right. and believing. And then you got some people that have been soldiers in the faith. They OGs in the faith. You know what I'm saying? So their relationship with God is going to be different. But you're expecting me to have the same type of dynamic, same level of prayer life, speaking in tongues, all these different things, know the Bible like the back of my hand, the same way you do. And you've been, you know, you almost Jesus' sister. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, You've been in the faith that much or for that long. And then even if you're like a minister or a preacher, you're going to be more involved. You're going to be more educated and, and study the word way more than the average person will because that's what you're called to do. That's just okay. like if, like I, I taught history. So I'm going to know a lot of historical facts because that's what I learned about. That's what I educated myself on, or more so dance and music. That's what my degree is in. I'm me and her going to be more educated about dance and music because that's what we do, you know. So I don't expect somebody just coming into learning how to dance or just coming into um, learning history or or anything of that nature to be on the same level as me. And I think, unfortunately, for the black church, I see that a lot, you know. So. Sure, I. I'm sorry, y'all ain't got to be shy, buddy. Start talking. Okay, go ahead. So, so I think that, I think what it is is we've, you know, people have got to be given the room to come to their own faith, right? Because let's face it, if we're honest, the majority of millennials, the majority of Gen Zers, I'll be honest with you, more majority of United States, they're not really. Bible-believing Christians, they're called Christians. And what I mean by cultural Christian is, you didn't come to this faith on your own. You've not had an authentic experience with a resurrected Christ. Your mama told you this is what you were, your daddy told you this is what it was, this is what your grandma was, this is what they were, so this is what you are. And so what happens is people have, people begin to have these authentic experiences because to be a believer, 
you have to have an encounter with the risen Christ. Like it's not just enough to read the stories. It's not just enough to get baptized. It's not just enough to believe that you have an encounter. Happens think we have these encounters with Jesus and they don't look like the thing we told we were told they were supposed to look like. Because let's face it, some of us today have had more authentic experiences with Christ than those two or three generations ago because they haven't had an authentic they haven't had an authentic experience. They've only read and heard about what an authentic experience should look like. And your mm -hmm. experience didn't look that way. There's no way that you're saved. And when millennials and Gen Zers, when the old, when, when those of us, when we have that, and we, when we have that, and then it challenges everything that we were taught. It challenges everything that we were raised with. It challenges all of the traditions. We say, I can't do that anymore. And I can't do that anymore because of my authentic encounter with the risen Christ. This is what I have to go do. I think a lot of people, a lot of people get scared because, of that. because let's face it, the glory of God around us is like a very scary thing. And we just don't like acknowledging that. And and I, I do want to piggyback. Hopefully I don't lose my train of thought. Um, what was the last thing you said before the last thing you said? Because <laughs> you were saying about the authentic experiences and stuff. Um, we have an like, authentic okay. Mm-hmm. I'm helping you get your thought. So if you okay, caught so it, go ahead. I, I think I think I do have it just like okay, with my prayer life. I'm not one of those people that's gonna lock myself in a closet and pray for six, seven hours. I don't think I'm called to do that, you know, because I, I do struggle with um paying attention for six, seven hours or hell, 30 minutes. So what I have felt impressed to do. And it started off as me, I was about to make a story about it, and I just wrote a little prayer. And then I came up with the idea, why don't I just add, you know, some music and add I the follow words. that page. <laughs> right, and, and just start um, just saying simple prayers because people have the desire to pray, but they don't know what to pray or how to pray or what to pray for. And they feel like they haven't prayed because they didn't pray for 30, 45 minutes or anything like that. So along with that, it's under 30 seconds, maybe a minute at the longest. Along with it, I provide a scripture reference. I provide like a little uh, message and then I provide a song to go along with it. So for me, that's my daily devotional uh, that I have. And even though I haven't been attending church as frequently, I've started back, you know, at one point I was attending every Sunday, but now I'm just starting to go back when I feel led. I have seen you know, positive changes in my life. I've also like with the confessions, you know, the daily affirmations, I feel like they're the same thing, speaking life over myself, speaking positive words over myself and, you know, having those positive conversations with my friends. Or I call Christy all the time when I be feeling down and they'll be like, Christy, help me. And those conversations are so fulfilling and, and meaningful as if I was at church and I had to have a pull somebody to the side after church or had a counseling session. So I 100% agree that, you know, my relationship with God and my walk with God is not like anybody else's. And I've been in church a large majority of my life and I never experienced it that way 
until now. And I'm not saying that, you know, don't go to church or anything like that. You yeah. do what you feel led to do and don't let nobody condemn you, you know, for that. I know there's, you know, right and there and there is wrong, but there is more than one way to do certain things. Just like we're learning. We all learn differently, you know. Right. It's the same, you know, we all learning the same thing, but we're we're taking a different road to the same same place. So I, I 100% agree with what you had to say. So I had to throw yeah. it in there. No, I appreciate it. I think I think when we get to a place where we're in Jude, I think the pericope of Jude says it, it begins talking about orthodoxy, right? And orthodoxy is literally one teaching, one study, what have you. And I think when we get to a place of orthopraxis, so if the doxa is the teaching, if doxa is the is the one belief system that everyone has, praxis is the actual practice of what it's doing. And, and, and I think there are some doctrinal beliefs that we have to take into account. I think we, we have to agree upon the doctrine of salvation. I think we have to agree upon the doctrine of justification, the doctrine of sanctification. Uh, I think how we handle baptism, how we handle death, how we handle communion. I think there has to be some unification in our belief systems about that. We have to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That is required. Mm -hmm. Where I think... I, I think everything outside of that, it, we're kind of arguing. I think I think we're going to get to a place. We're going to get to heaven, or heaven's going to come to us, and we're going to ask Jesus all of these questions. Well, Jesus, what about so and so and so and so? And Jesus, is like it doesn't matter. You're here. And, like we're still not <laughs> going to get the. Like, why are you worried about that? Yeah, yeah. Like you worried about that. You're here. Like that's all you need to worry about. And I think when we get to the place where it's where we start looking at. Can I fellowship with you? Well, how do I know I can fellowship with you? Well, hey, do you pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Guess what? I can fellowship with you. Hey, do you believe in, hey, do you do you operate in helping the needy and helping the world? Okay, great. I can fellowship with you. Do you believe Jesus died for your sins, was buried for three days, and resurrected on the third? Great. I can fellowship with you. I think when we get to a place where our practices are similar more so than our overall interpretation or ideas of uh, of scripture i think we'll start to see a lot of that break down because there like i said there are some doctrinal statements we have to abide by um and if you guys are listening i'm sorry I, this is what i do if i feel like if you abide by the apostles creed y'all are good i can deal with you right. everything else is kind of just ancillary to me so with that being said i am considering doing like a clubhouse room and i or coming into one of your rooms that you have, because I really have a heart for this, meaning, you know, trying to get people to kind of reconcile and not be so like, I'm trying to get my words together, y'all. It's, it's like, basically what you see. I'm going to leave it at that. I ain't going to try to add it. You, you did it so eloquently, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I might botch it up. So I do appreciate what you said as a whole. And with what you said, we're probably going to end on that note because you really, you know, hit the mark on that. I do want to know, do you have anything, like any last statements that you want to make? I mean, if you could say it with your chest, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't embarrass me. <laughs> um, so basically for me, um, uh, with the black church, I love the black church. I pray that uh 
it can evolve, you know, more. Right. Continue to continue evolve. to evolve more so that you can meet your people where they are. Um, and you know, learn how to translate over to a new uh, it's new we, new people. It's mm-hmm. it's different, you know. Um, and that's it. And basically to anybody who are um struggling with the church, you know, in or out, um, my advice would be to focus on your own personal relationship with God, because at the end of the day, this journey is about you and only you. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, when you get to the end, you're going to be the only person standing there. You and you and your God. And uh, it doesn't matter what your life looks like to any other Christian on the outside. Uh, just be strong in your faith and, 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 and be consistent in your own journey right. and don't let uh the teachings or beliefs of anybody else deter you from getting what you need for you. Because at the end of the day, this journey is about you. And I, I agree with that as well. You, you said that so pretty. You had the, the invitation. <laughs> she did the invitation. <laughs> and I'm going to do the benediction, okay? <laughs> Michael Michael was the guest uh, preacher today. <laughs> and uh, Christy did the invitation to Christ and I'm going to do the a benediction. I'm not going to actually pray, but I am going to thank Michael for coming on. I'm also going to thank Dwayne for coming thank on. Thank you for having me. Leave. I do want to um, do a little bit more, so we need to hook up on a clubhouse room or something like that because I am really like into this and just kind of want to break it down a little bit more and I've, I mean, you, you, bro, you something serious and I'm <laughs> yeah, we don't have to talk. So Most once again, you guys, I want to thank you all for watching the show. I know it's different from what we normally talk about, but this was something that you know I had a conversation with a few people that I felt like we need to bring on the show. We may do a part two. You know, I have to see, you know, um exactly what you know we want to do. But I do appreciate you guys tuning in and watching. Don't forget to follow us. Um, at B-L-M-T-Y-W-H that's the acronym for the podcast don't forget to follow uh, Christy, don't forget to follow Michael, don't forget to follow Dwayne and we're going to see you guys back next week at the same time you guys have a good night me and Christy about to go out and have a good time alright? Hello we, we about to God go fellowship with our brothers and sisters <laughs> <In the name. laughs> alright, right, peace out be encouraged guys, bye Bye-bye. All right, hold on. I got, wait a minute. I, I got to end the live. Okay. Y'all know my computer's slow. Okay. All right, peace out, y'all. A-Town down. Well, M-Town down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me get this.